Ladies now. Capital 263. So welcome to the Capital 263. Free to say it and free to do it. My name is Robson Isaac Shoes Lambada. And today you are having a discussion that is uh, so interesting. Well, at we are waiting for the elections that are coming up. And today I've got a uh, guest in the house. And the guest that I have, I've got Mr. Richard Runyara Romahumba, who works with the leaders for African Network, and also Dr. Nkulde Kuswanda, who is the spokesperson for Nelson Chamisa, who is the presidential candidate for the, for the MDC Alliance. And uh, who is helping me today to moderate this discussion is Simba Moyo. Simbarashi Moyo is the chairperson of the Combined Harare Resistance Association. So what we're talking about today, we're talking about uh, uh, the opinion service that always come from probably think tanks and they come from uh, civic society organizations, they come from individuals. But today we'll be looking at uh, two specific uh, uh, surveys and these two specific surveys actually, they give predictions of uh, who is going to win the elections. So to kickstart this uh, discussion, I'll give Mr. Simbarashimoyo to give us a background to the service before we go to our uh, guests in the house. So, but before we go to, to, to Mr. Simbarashimoyo, I, I would like to uh, greet our guests. <laughs> how are you, Mr. Richard? I'm doing great. Oh, how are you, doctor? I'm all right, thank you. How are you? How are you, Mr. Simba? Uh, thank you. Uh, I don't know whether I should call you Comrade Shoes or give us your proper name, by the way. Yeah, of course. Uh, many people ask my name, but okay, I always tell them, it's that Shoes Lambada. So when you say Shoes, yeah, just remember heels, palms, sneakers, sandals, or anything. Free to do it, free to say it. That's what they do at the Capital Trust. It's free. Uh, thanks, uh, Comrade Shoes Lambada. And... Uh, Thanks for inviting us to your very beautiful studio. Uh, it's the best studio in Zimbabwe, not only in Harare. Um, just to uh, shoot to the point, uh, we, we are here to discuss about two uh, recent uh, surveys that were done, uh, one by the Afrobarometer and the other by uh, Matsaga. I want to call it the Matsaga um, a survey because it was done by an individual, if I'm not mistaken. And then... Um, the Afrobarometer uh, predicts that uh, uh, Nelson Chamisa is going to get uh, 31% of the votes uh, when we uh, uh, cast our votes on the 30th of July uh, uh, next month. And then uh, Emerson Dambuzomanangagwa is going to get 41%, and then the rest are undecided according to the Afrobarometer. And then in terms of the Matsaga uh, opinion survey, he is uh, predicting that uh, uh, Nelson Chamisa is going to get uh, 24% and uh, Amazon Dambuzom Nangagwa is going to get uh, 70%, while the rest are again uh, undecided. So th these are the two uh, opinion surveys that we are going to uh, be discussing about. So we're going to, you know, dissect these surveys, uh, uh, interrogate them. And, uh, you know, because we've got the experts around us, we've got Dr. Nguleko Sando, the spokesperson of uh, President Nelson Chamisa, and uh, we've got uh, Farai, uh, I mean, Richard, uh, Richard Runyararo Mahomva, with the, from the Leaders for Africa Network. So I think we can now kickstart our, our, our program. We've got just a few questions that we want to ask our, uh, our, our panelists, so I will hand over back to my co-moderator. My co so I think uh, the basic question that every person would want to ask is that how reliable are these surveys? And uh, when I'm asking this question, 
I'm not saying that uh, uh, defend your party or defend the predictions or defend what came out of the the surveys, but how predictable are the surveys objectively? Because I know we academics, we know these surveys, how they happen, the qualitative and quantitative research that that, that goes uh, through uh, these researches and how they uh, process this information to become what it is uh, to the public. But how reliable are they to the general person? Uh, I, um, uh, uh, my name is uh, uh, Dr. Zbanda. Um, I think that um, the, the surveys would be useful in any other country. Uh, they are certainly of no value in, in, in Zimbabwe, despite the fact that, of course, they predict that uh, uh, if you read them very carefully, they actually predict a victory for, for President Nelson Chamisa. Um, uh, if you factor in, uh, if you correct them for time and uh, for some nuances that uh, aren't corrected for the time of uh, the research, but I'll tell you why they are insignificant. It's because uh, you're doing this kind of survey uh, at one point in the year. Uh, uh, even if uh, you had the best methods, uh, the best systems, um, and you're crunching the best numbers on earth, you're not going to get a view of how people are going to vote on the day um, uh, two months out, before the campaign even begins. Uh, you know, that's when these uh, numbers were taken. And also, uh, given that uh, the, uh, the the numbers already show that you have uh, nearly as many people who are as, uh, 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 undecided or unwilling to answer the question as there are uh, supporters for these uh, uh, candidates. So, uh, you know, it's it's nearly a, an equal split between those who will vote for who say they would vote for ED. Mnangagwa uh, um, and those who would vote for President uh, Nelson Chamisar and those who are not uh, aware of how they're going to vote. So that indication, a 30% uh, non-response or non-knowledge sort of uh, response indicates that the survey isn't at a level where you can trust it. And even if you could trust it, it's, it's taken uh, uh, way before the election. It's not reliable at all. Uh, the sub- a survey that would be reliable is one that's taken a night before the election. So, uh, in short, you are saying that uh, these surveys are useful in as far as uh, assisting probably us as residents in getting to know what might, uh, you know, come up after the, the, the election. I mean, in terms of uh, getting the, the, the results, the results of these elections. So, uh, just moving on with this program, we just want to give you a quick take, uh, Mr. Mahomba. You said that they are useful, but uh, uh, they are not very reliable in terms of being clear determinants of what really then comes out when people then cast their votes? I think a a proper survey should uh, be cognizant. We should uh, look at issues of its geographic spread. Not only should we look at its geographic spread, but we should look at the methodologies that were used for conclusions to be reached. But what is very pertinent, it is also... Uh, for us to interrogate the hand that would have crafted a particular survey to say what are their influences, what are probably their leanings. So for us to really come to a point to say a survey is genuine, we have to assess, was it done countrywide or not? But again, another obvious challenge that comes with uh, surveys is that at some point they do endorse or maybe should I say legitimize or delegitimize certain 
uh, political actors. And that on its own quite poses as a challenge. And again, uh, you also discover that a survey might be conducted at a point when there is a particular euphoria that is directed towards a particular uh, political actor. And at times, uh, it could also be done at a time when that euphoria towards a particular political actor is declined. So for us to absolutely bank on surveys is quite problematic. But what is advantageous about surveys is that they give us uh, general reflections on uh, power on, on the power that certain political parties have consolidated. But obviously, they can be dismissed by particular actors because sometimes their results might not be in the favor of particular interests of those particular actors. So we need to, be, to factor in all those perspectives as we are making our analysis. Yeah, but uh, I mean, from what you have said, I think uh, uh, you talked about hands being involved. Yeah. So when they were talking about hands, I was talking about influences that are influencing the, uh, the, 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 the measurements, was already when we talk about uh, the, the Afro-barometer, it's talking about 31 to 41. So the 31 to 41, if added up, is 73%. And the undecided vote is uh, 28%. And from the Matsaga uh, uh, survey, it's uh, 94% that is accounted for. And the one that is not accounted for is 6%. So what are you saying about the hands? Are you talking about uh, external factors, as in external uh, uh, countries, or a civic society, or probably individuals, or rather to put it mildly, yes. uh, <laughs> let's address the issue of the variances. Yes, the variances. Uh, how do you explain uh, this uh, huge gap? How do you explain these variances? Can someone conclude, let's say, after looking at this, to say uh, a survey can be partisan? Can, can someone do that? Uh, I, I think uh, it depends with the context. But what is very important uh, is that uh, a survey, a, a poll survey, uh, is, uh, is, is an entity of political science. And uh, political science comes with it, uh, with the element of political analysis. And usually, whenever uh, inclines to a particular thought have to be taken, uh, it is unavoidable that there could be particular biases so certain surveys can propagate a particular line of thought that is, uh, that is falsely in favor of a particular reality, which contradicts the actual reality on the ground. Whereas particular surveys can actually point out to the genuine uh, political context. So it depends with, uh, uh, so it depends with uh, the reliability of a particular survey. Maybe let me just finish. Okay. And then historically, when you look at uh, the Afrobarometer, in 2013, it posited projections that uh, were synonymous with the outcomes. So it is within that context that when we look at the questions that it posits and the answers that it puts across, it can be counted as a reliable uh, uh, election uh, survey entity. Okay, so my point actually was to come to the, to the final conclusion to say that uh, when you look at this service, the results that came, how do you see them? Are they reflective of what is going to happen on the election day? It's, uh, this is why from the outset I said you need to look at the geographic spread. We need to look at the methodology. But one problem with these surveys, which I think my colleague would agree with me, 
we only find more figures than the explanation to how issues were arrived at. For instance, you find a situation whereby you are told that a certain percentage of people could not provide answers. And you are not told of the circumstances, the immediate circumstances that caused them not to give particular answers. So you need a situation whereby when you say this candidate is going to get 30%, what approaches did you use? What points of analysis did you use? Because it is obvious that if you do a survey in uh, Bulawayo and Arari about the elections, the answer is going to be obvious. Thank you very much. I think we now need to hear from uh, Dr. Svanda. Uh, I think you have participated in surveys before. Uh, in your view, what, how do you explain uh, these variances? I mean, we are talking about these two uh, opinion surveys that were done, the Afrobarometer one and the Matsaga one. How do you uh, uh, precisely explain this variance that we are talking about? Uh, well, uh, to start with this, uh, uh, surveys were not carried out at the same time, and uh, there are a lot of movements in terms of people's preferences, um, and those will explain uh, the variances to a certain extent. Um, but also that um, I think that... Uh, uh, um, I can only vouch for the methodologies uh, used by um, uh, Afrobarometer. I think that they are um, certainly vigorous enough to be classed as scientific. So it could be that the other um, uh, surveys do not uh, pass the master. Uh, but I think that uh, what your listeners uh, w would want to hear is uh, if this survey says that... Uh, uh, the MDC is trailing uh, uh, Tsangarai, uh, sorry, um, Nanga Guarez of um, uh, some time in April. Uh, what is uh, what? What is it that the the President Nelson Chamisa is doing to uh, to catch up? And I think that that's 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 the important message that the people of this country are looking for. I think that they are not paying attention to surveys at all and uh, that these surveys haven't had a huge impact uh, historically in the decisions they make because they're not the mainstay of um, African politics. I think that surveys are important in, West, in Western politics. As a matter of fact, uh, it seems to me as though political or electoral surveys in Africa and Zimbabwe per se are simply designed to be an academic exercise that is nothing, no more value to to. to, to, to to, to anything, and then I'll tell you why. Because if they were being done to find out where, where the vote is going to lie, then you're going to have to do them on a more regular basis and continue to do them until the elections. And if you only do them once per year, then they're reflective of nothing. Political opinions change in a day's time. In our, in our previous discussion, one of the panelists mentioned that uh, surveys uh, create, uh, they are meant to set an agenda, so mm -hmm. to speak. Uh, whose agenda is that? Do you, do you share that uh, perspective that uh, surveys are meant to set a particular agenda or some kind of agenda? And before I think uh, 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 Dr. Uh, responds to your question, I think you know, Ifson needs to respond to the question uh, that was raised by uh, Richard Runyara concerning about the hands behind the, word, the surveys. So is there an objectivity in these surveys or probably it's because they want to satisfy uh, the hand that feeds them? Mm -hmm. uh, look, I have no uh, basis upon which to accuse Afrobarometer of being uh, manipulated behind the scenes uh, to carry out its, um, its survey. So it will be disingenuous of me to second-guess them uh, in this instance. I have no evidence 
against them and I do not doubt the rigorous nature of their methodology. I do think that they do not correct for, 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 for a number of things. For example, the history of violence in this country, they do not seem to take that into account when they are uh, getting people's answers, say, from rural areas and from some urban areas and think that they need to respond. Uh, the the, 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 the surveys need to uh, sort of uh, answer that or uh, protect themselves from becoming spurious on the basis of uh, a one, uh, a, what you'd call a crazy variable affecting uh, the outcome. But um, uh, 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 I think that the tech home here, and, and if you're going to be serious, and I don't know why agenda setters like yourselves uh, really waste a lot of time talking about these surveys. This is Africa. Let's not try to be living in a first world country. And, and of course, if it's only one survey per year, it is as useless as anything else. It, it is as important as my mere guess where the election is going to go. So we shouldn't be talking about that. I think what we should be talking about is the contradictions that exist between President Nelson Chamisa and, uh, and uh, 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 ED. But I think Dr. Isabanda, as much as we, you, you want us to talk about the future, uh, I know that uh, uh, the past is so important and the present is so important. Because if these uh, 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 two surveys are talking that Chamisa is going to lose uh, by 31% and by 24%, you should be concerned. So the moment when we say that... The surveys, the surveys are not saying that he is going to lose. They're saying that as of... April. As of April, he get 31 percent. He would get. The, mm -hmm. Then from the he go he's going to get 24 percent. So therefore, what I'm saying is let, that let's not talk is, about the, is, that, is that a true reflection? Let's not talk of what is on the ground right now. No, let's not talk about the second survey. That's a kangaroo survey. It, it is Why not, do you say it's a kangaroo because, survey? Because because its methodology is aren't, aren't, aren't rigorous enough. Uh, the 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 person who's carried out the survey doesn't have a recognizable profile. And for that reason, they cannot be relied upon at all. The profile of the scientist is very important to the science. Yes, it doesn't have a track record at all. Now, I, I'm not going to make reference to that. And it, it will be wrong to interpret any of the surveys as saying that President Nelson Chamisa is going to lose to, um, uh, to ED. I mean, look, Zimbabwe is a country of uh, near 90% literacy rate. And people who, have, who are educated like that do know what the stark differences are between a vision of a 70-something-year-old man and a 40-year-old uh, upcoming futuristic person. They understand that this country needs to move forward and cannot rely on the history. They know that President Idi has been in the government that has destroyed this country for the last 37 years. They understand more clearly. They read these people. Do not, you, you can play around with any audience. Do not play around with the Zimbabwean audience. These people are sharp. The only reason ZANU-PF has been winning is because they haven't been doing it free and fair. But the Zimbabwean people have the intellect, the brain stamina to make the difference between the stark choices that we have. This is going to be a revolutionary election. So uh, my, my, my colleague here, um, yeah, we are coming to you now because... Uh, um, you, you, you talked about the Afrobarometer, which predicted the election results for 2018. Yeah. And uh, they are again coming in 2018 now, making some predictions. But we haven't heard the same about uh, Matsaga. Can you share some more light in terms of probably if you have a track record of these guys? Uh, have they done some service before? And uh, what were they like? 
I think uh, the doc is uh, bringing a valid point. That aspect of a track record, that aspect of an intellectual reputation, that aspect of uh, a background in positing issues. And, uh, but what is problematic with the logic of his submission is that while he concurs that uh, uh, the people that provide uh, these estimates or these predictions, uh, these predictions uh, are supposed to have a background, uh, to then deny uh, the projections of uh, the current survey, whereas in 2013, uh, what happened, what was projected actually uh, was synonymous with the outcomes of the elections, really is something that calls uh, for much food for thought. But again, coming back to correct the aspect on uh, the agenda setting, uh, when I mentioned the aspect of agenda setting, I was defining a situation whereby how the mood is set by these, not necessarily that they drive a particular agenda, because to then say they drive a particular agenda is to insinuate that probably the thought is a hired thought. So I think we need to put in a correction uh, to that effect. But again, there is another important submission that the good colleague makes to assert that uh, Zimbabweans are learned, and because Zimbabweans are learned, they are bound to notice failure. But I think the moment one speaks of failure, we need to question to say, what is your experience of failure? Because for certain sectors of uh, the academia, what has been defined as failure has been defined as success. For instance, the issue of the land reform, for instance, issues of indigenizing the economy, it is something which uh, is a cross-cutting academic approval. So to then say Zimbabweans are learned and because they are learned, they are prone to be anti-establishment, I think it is a problematic submission because this is why even when you come to the academia, you see a situation whereby people that take a pro-establishment stance are said to be less academic, but those that take an anti-establishment stance, they are said to be, no, this one is more academic. So I think we need to stop evaluating uh, academic astuteness on the basis of what we wish or on the basis of our partisan leanings and expectations. Um, look, uh, uh, probably uh, still on him. Uh, yeah. I, I asked you another question on the Matsaga. Do you have any track record of their, you know, service that they've done before? If you have, no, I, I was actually agreeing with the doc that it was uh, the first time that I ever heard of such. But with effect from 2013, and I'm still emphatic on that point, the outcomes manifested as predicted. And probably now that, prob and, and now that uh, there's been a shift in terms of the time, the predictions of the current uh, report might actually work in a greater favor of probably the leading political party. Okay, uh, that's fine. I think you wanted to say something, Doc. Uh, yeah, of course, there's the need to respond to that. Uh, I think that my, uh, my colleague here, um, uh, once again, uh, sort of um, uh, takes things on the hip here. Uh, you do not um, find any academic credence uh, in any survey uh, that surveys political opinion that is seven days old. I mean, seven days is a long time in politics. They say 24 days these days in the age of the internet is a long time. So there isn't any credence. If, if, if any survey that was carried out 
a month or two before an election were to somehow reflect the outcome of the election, that is what you would call a chance occurrence. It is not really something that you could rely on politically and say that you expect that occurrence to happen again. And besides, Zimbabweans are aware that the 2013 election was not a free and fair election. And for that reason, uh, unless the surveyor was um, uh, 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 seeking the opinion of those who then went ahead and rigged the election, then certainly uh, uh, it would uh, make it a correct prediction. But let's make it very clear. Uh, uh, the, 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 the reference to the education uh, levels of the Zimbabwean population, and, and we need to be very clear about that, um, and, and the grandeur of their thought, is that, look, um, uh, not to say that Zimbabweans necessarily hate or uh, look down upon uh, establishment academics. It is to say that uh, uh, an educated people does not quickly forget that, as, as uh, uh, Idi would like us to think, does not quickly forget that Idi was in government for 37 years. They were not going to quickly forget that in this country we killed 20,000 people and that Idi was the Minister of Security um, uh, in the President's office and that he was resp directly responsible for those deaths. They're not going to forget that he called every person who was um, a Zappu supporter and developed by, by tribe uh, um, a pest that needed to be killed using DDT. They're not going to forget that ED has confessed on video that he was responsible for the fiasco that led to the um, uh, unity government in 2008 whereupon the election was inconclusive thanks to ED. Zimbabweans are intelligent enough to understand that President Nelson Chamisa provides an alternative to that. That under President Nelson Chamisa, you're not going to have a single election that's going to be disputed because the international norms are going to be put in place. President Chamisa is going to walk in right into State House and the first thing he's going to do day one so, is, so Doc, is, is declare... Before you, you continue, just, just let me... I want you to tell me one thing. What has changed between April when this barometer, uh, the Afro-barometer, uh, predicted the 31%... I guess the foreign percent up to now. What has changed? Let me tell you what has changed. But before I tell you that, let me say that it that needs to be no change in political terms for people to move their opinions. As the environment becomes more politically active, people change their opinions, okay? Uh, by April, the political campaigns had not begun. They have begun now. In April, uh, President uh, Nelson Chamisa was still building the infrastructure that he needed to begin campaigns, and that has begun. Uh, if President Nelson Chamisa had gone to Chiredzi in April, you would not have seen the crowds, the awesome crowds that we saw last weekend when he went there. Uh, I think that when, when Edie looked at those pictures of people in Chiredzi, and it appears as though they are bang in the middle of Harare, a very urbanized uh, city, um, I think if I were him, I would already I would have started packing. It looks like State House is not going to be his home for a very long time. And I, we could help him pack. It's, it's not a problem. Um, but I think that we already see the kind of miracle in the countryside, in the cities, that is resonating with the people. We see old people when Chamisa walks by in the rural areas stopping him to say, we thank you for the courage, uh, we thank you for the things you do and for your plans. We, 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 see, we, we experienced a massive positive response to the announcement of our SMART program, which is part of our, part of our, part of our campaign promises. 
and 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 people are responding very well to our uh, land uh, uh, policy, which says that anyone who has a piece of land leased to him by the cruel policies of ZANU-PF that simply give make everyone a lodger by giving them land on a lease basis. We're saying to those Zimbabweans, you're now going to have that piece of land and have title deeds, and that for that reason you can leverage it in order to get capital to farm. ZANU-PF has made thank us... You, thank you, Can Dr. I just finish? ZANU-PF yeah. has made us okay, destitute well, because... Has made us destitute because they have given us land that we can't use, that we can only help erode away. They are destroying Mother Earth. You need to give people the implements to carry out agriculture when you give them land so that we can continue to be the breadbasket of Africa and we can continue to feed our families. Now, <clears throat> this is the promise of the future. Behold the new. Thank you, Dr. Samantha, for that. I, I know uh, our colleague is itching to respond. I know you've prepared several responses for him. But before you do that, I want you to also address some of the issues that uh, uh, came out of this, uh, this opinion uh, this, uh, opinion service, uh, the issue of undecided uh, uh, voters. Do you think, in your opinion, that uh, the results will somehow, somehow sway these undecided voters yeah, to some extent, because, uh, look, uh, the undecided voter might realize that, oh, well, probably that is uh, the winning side. How about I vote in favor of the winning side? The other undecided voter might be sympathetic to the uh, prospectively vanquished side, and they say, well, let me pity them with a vote. It's normal. It happens. But uh, coming back to issues that the good colleague has raised, he speaks of the issue of land. But, uh, you know, history does not forget. You'd recall that one of the founding uh, preambles of the movement for democratic change, which, uh, uh, you know, exfoliated as a result of factionalism. But if we go back to, to the foundations of MDC, you discover a situation whereby MDC was from the outset opposed to the entire aspect of the land reform, arguing that uh, the aspect of land reform, it is illegal. And this is why you find out that uh, the prominent and uh, the initial sponsors of that movement or in the interlocutors of uh, the sponsorship that occurred between 2000, between 99 up until 2008, uh, include the likes of uh, Roy Bennett, who were actually victims of the black people's uh, uh, quest to get land. But again, why are they speaking of the issue of land now? Because the issue of land is a permanent aspect of the of the aspirations of our people. They've realized that continued epistemic dependence on the ideas of the West and wanting to defend uh, uh, capital that was initially stolen from the time roads entered Zimbabwe is no longer sustainable. Why? Because the Zimbabwean mass is learned. And it is that sense of learnedness that the doc referred to, which is going to motivate the Zimbabwean to vote for a part that has enabled the black men to continuously work on the land. And the aspect of the land is important because the land aspect, the land reform actually benefited close to 1.8 million families. And whenever those 1.8 million families are on that land, it's a permanent reminder of how much 
of how much uh, the people uh, of those of how much those beneficiaries ought to vote for ZANU PF. And again, the aspect of uh, Zimbabweans being destitute is really less cognizant of the policy prospectus of the current ZANU PF manifesto, where ZANU PF has made clear indications to alleviate the destitution of the mass, particularly the urban populace, by ensuring that it's going to uh, have one million plus households as part and parcel of its national housing project. And that one is, one is going to uh, deal with the aspect of land baroning, which was largely propagated by members of the opposition that were leading the municipalities uh, in the urban cities, in the, in, in the urban areas. And then again, to talk of crowds in a rally and want to use that as a yardstick to enter uh, the state house is quite problematic because we know that all parties pass crowds. And uh, when crowds are passed, then to uh, want to base on that, uh, on that um, mere excitement of seeing pictures of crowds as a reflection of election outcomes is problematic. I'll take you back to the time when Joshua Nkomo, uh, the, the first opposition, one of the prominent uh, and oldest opposition leaders of our time uh, before the Unity Accord, he had massive rallies in Bulawayo, rallies that would shut down streets, but Zampu could not make it uh, in the elections compared to ZANU-PF. And it is not new. When MDC was born, it managed to harbor the support of the entire labor movement, and it yet crowds. In 1998, if you read uh, Patrick Bond, you discover that there were massive strikes and all of that that were seemingly in favor of the opposition. But until this day, ZANU-PF is still in power. So crowds really are not a reflection of uh, electoral conquest. I think we're really getting into the bone and flesh, <laughs> the bone and flesh of uh, uh, this issue because we're talking about uh, the, 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 the pre-poll surveys and uh, how they reflect. And I think uh, from what I've heard from both of you is that probably uh, these surveys, they are not so useful at this moment in time just because of their, their timing and just because uh, uh, their age right now. So as, docu- as you said, a survey probably, is, if it's not 24 hours uh, old, it's not useful enough. Mm-hmm. And then Mr. Runyara... <laughs> but it's not logical to have a survey within 24 hours or a week before elections. Exactly. Yeah. So, it's, uh, it's well, 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 I, I would say logical, but I would say that uh, no, 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 uh, in 24-hour gaps, they're carried out 24 hours before the election, because of the because they have a very short shelf life. They rot in 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 in, in, a, in a very few hours. Uh, that's what happens in the rest of the world. And if you're not if you do not have the ability to carry them out uh, that regularly, there's no point in carrying them out because and and this one is is, is a fantastic one. It's a survey that is carried out in April and the results come out in June, something like that. By the time the results come out, it is no longer reflective of reality on the ground and it's not worth the paper that's written on. Um, uh, but 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 having said that, I think you're going to have to let me respond to his very long speech. Um, uh, Thank you. I think that um, uh, uh, if you if you are in ZANU-PF and you win elections by rigging, of course crowds mean nothing. Uh, 
but if you are in a democratic society, if you are in the MDC or any, any, anywhere else in the world, the size of your crowds in rallies is an indication of the momentum that you have. So we're talking about President Nelson Chamisa building a massive momentum here. We have had a very beautiful week last week. We've been uh, stopped a little bit with President Nelson Chamisa hunkering down to deal with nominations. But we know that um, our smart uh, policies have uh, uh, been uh, received very well by Zimbabweans and that, in fact, uh, we are seeing a, a growing number. Look, the idea that you can bus people to, to, uh, to rallies is only sustainable if you have a big budget. If you're ED and you're suspected of uh, killing people for diamonds in the DRC, um, if you are ED and your friends may have been involved in the Maranga Diamond fiasco, then you probably have a lot of money to, do, uh, to, to, to put um, a big cloth around every building in Harare uh, and to put a billboard every two meters to try and buy the election results. You can't do that if you're in the opposition. You don't have the money. You can try and buy every citizen a T-shirt if you're ED. We don't do that in the MDC. We don't have the money to do that. It is our members that buy their own T-shirts, not from us, from the streets, red T-shirts. When you see those red Cs in front of President Nelson Chamisa, every one of them has been paid for by the person who's wearing them. We, we don't have money to, to bus anybody. You go to the, they're not even rallies when, when you go to, when, 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 you, when you have ED speaking to people. We, they don't qualify as rallies. They're assemblies for school children. That's all he addresses. School children assemblies with school buses. We don't do that in the MDC. We, are, we, 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 we address people who are voting age. They come by themselves. They wear their own T-shirts. We don't give them internet passwords so that they can broadcast. They use their own internet. That is what a true movement of the people does. That is how President Nelson Chamisa has energized this country, given us politics like we've never seen it before. The only opposition leader in this country to do so much with so little. Okay. Oh. <laughs> interesting. That was a mouthful and interesting at all. I don't, uh, do you have anything to respond to? But yeah, I, certainly. I don't I, think he does. No, no, I have. I have, actually. Come on, my friend. Don't speak because you have a mouth. Speak because there's something to say. No, I speak because I have uh, issues to contend. Oh. And uh, to say that uh, a, a political party is uh, organic, simple because it is broke, is not a reality. Because we know there was a time when MDC was doing all these things that ZANU-PF is doing President now. Nelson Chamisa was, in the, pres- was know, in the president of the party then. Whatever the Behold case, the but, new. but he continues a continuity of the past. Behold the new. He is a continuity of the past. And let me finish. And you'd recall that if MDC had proximity to fans, uh, prior to the donor fatigue that manifested in 2013, after the failure of donor fatigue, they could even be having an elegant campaign. But then to now want to argue that, no, we are organic, we are in touch with the masses because we are broke. No, it's not an argument that uh, you can want to sell through. And this issue of continuously saying elsewhere in the world, looking at the contextual uh, the, the contextual uh, scenario with other perspectives from elsewhere, really, I think is quite problematic because
because what happens elsewhere cannot happen here in some instances. And it is structural circumstances that facilitate that. So at the end of the day, let us not use views from elsewhere and want to justify our being bankrupt because the white man has seen that we have failed to save his cause. And then we are saying, no, we are organic and in touch with the, is that, the people. Is that why ED was a scuff uh, in the middle of summer? because he thinks the heat doesn't work uh, my 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 colleagues um <laughs> i think this is this is an interesting um a discourse that we are having and uh, probably what we would like to have now uh what we would like to have now uh issues related parting issues uh parting issues related to the two uh, opinion surveys. I know you guys can talk a lot about your political parties and, uh, and, and who is wearing a what. A point of correction, I belong to no political party. Thank you very I'm much. Just a political analyst. Yes, uh, you, yeah. can, you can talk about politics as a political analyst. You can talk about his political party as a spokesperson of... Uh, I'm, I'm, uh, a uh, I'm a political, I'm just a political, I'm just a spokesperson. Yes. But, but obviously, the people, the people who are listening to this uh, program would want to hear your parting shots as we uh, round up this program, but it must be about the uh, two opinions that has been done. It must not be about the scarf. It must not be about uh, being broke. Uh, about being, yeah, of course, about being broke. About the land reform program, which was so successful, and so it must not be about that. Let's 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 narrow it down to the focal point of this discussion, which are the two opinions that have recently been done. So I will start with you, and then you then uh, come in. Yeah, I think uh, when all has been said and done, what is important is that uh, these surveys should assist, not only should they determine the direction of uh, the voting on on the part of the electorate, but I think they should also pay a, a, a play a pivotal role in uh, locating, in helping political parties to locate their weaknesses and in the process to find their strengths. But above it all, enable those that have got a leading trail in terms of consolidating power to continuously consolidate their power. Why? Because the tradition of politics is to ensure that you capture power, you consolidate it, and of course, you crush opposition. That's the game. Thank you very much, political analyst. Before you stray into the other side, uh, we, come to, yes, we, we come to Dr. Svanda, your, your parting shots about the two surveys. Look, uh, I think that uh, it is very clear that uh, the surveys uh, have uh, put our candidate uh, at an advantage uh, in more than one way. Um, and I think that uh, uh, what has also come out of this debate about surveys is, is that President Nelson Chamisa will, is, is a miracle maker. You can't, uh, you know, speak against God. God, God is speaking to everyone here. Uh, he's saying that, look, in, this, in, the, in those surveys, God, God's voice can be heard. He, he's saying that uh, even a, a Brock party, a party that relies on nothing, President Nelson Chamisa will perform the miracle. Who on earth would have thought that any politician will bring the thousands upon thousands of people to political rallies every week upon week at their own expense. This is a miracle maker. And I think that this has a lot to do with God. God has had the cry of the people of Zimbabwe and he has his effective and perfect messenger and it is President Nelson Chamisa and he's doing it very well. 
Thank you for coming to the program and uh, I would like to thank our listeners for listening to this program and uh, I would like to thank our panelists who come here uh, Mr Richard Runyalaro Mahomba coming from the Leaders for African Network and Dr Nkulogo Sivanda the spokesperson for Nelson Chamisa the presidential candidate for the MDC Alliance and also Mr Simbarashe Moyo the chairperson of the combined Harare Residents Association we are broadcasting from the capital 263 Free to say it, free to do it. Please stay tuned. And now, and now. Capital 263.